Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm glad you're listening to this on 2017. Although I am recording this the day, like, Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve. Jesus Christ, I'm getting my holidays all mixed up. I am recording this on uh, New Year's Eve. So, technically, right now, as I'm, I am speaking, it is 2016. But you'll be listening to this in 2017. Oh man, what a year, people. We survived. If you're tuning in and you're alive, we survived 2016. The much-hated year. For, you know, within reason. Um, 2016 was, you know, a, a rather eventful year for me personally. It's a, it's the start of my new adult life. Finally finished school. I fell in love again. And just as soon as I lost love again. And so now, you know... It also marks my late 20s. So, yeah, I got that going for me in 2016. But let's see what 2017 has in store for me. And for this podcast, I am trying to fully expand this podcast for what it is. So look forward to some cool stuff coming real soon. And the first thing I want to announce, I'm not getting any details yet. But in January, we are going to have a music event. Whoa, what what's that? You, you, you're going to see me in person with musicians? Yeah, you bet your butt you will. It'll be in late January, and more details are to come. Today's guest is comedian BJ Rankin. He's mostly based in Santa Cruz, but once in a while you see him over here in San Jose. And uh, I, w- I always have a good time with him. He, he's uh, one of the, a newer generation of Santa Cruz comedians who made it over the hill to Cafe for Scotty. For those that don't know, I host a stand-up open mic at Cafe for Scotty at downtown San Jose, California, every Wednesday night. So you could definitely find me there. And we had a good chat about comedy and about a whole bunch of other stuff about life. And as always, it's always a pleasure having comedians over. And uh, I hope you really enjoyed this episode because I certainly did. I I really do, I mean. And without much further ado, before we get there, I want to remind you listeners to please follow the JMS Podcast. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast if you're not already listening on it. But on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can follow the JMS Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any emails for me, you can send any emails to me at jmspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, please, please, indeed, please check out the JMS Podcast official website. Visit jmspodcast.com and check out all the content that this podcast uh, has. And I assure you that's a lot of good things. The most recent development is we have a new um, Dispatches from the Kitchen article. I went over to Chromatic Coffee. Chromatic Coffee is located in Santa Clara, technically. It's along Stevens Creek. I had a good chat with uh, Otessa Crandell. She is the co-founder and manager of Chromatic Coffee. And we had a great interview. And you can check out the transcribed interview at the JMS Podcast website. It's under Food Culture. And it is the latest article at the uh, Dispatches from the Kitchen. And I learned a lot. Uh, Chromatic Coffee... Uh, always has been a cafe I always drove by through my college years at De Anza. You know, so that, like that was pretty near my hangout spot. But I never really fully went in and really grasped uh, what kind of cafe it was. So when I went in recently and rediscovered what it, what it is, it, it's actually quite amazing. It is a great cafe 
with amazing coffee, amazing staff, and overall, it plays a big role to the art scene here in the South Bay. And it really does feel like it's it's like an art gallery, but with like a cafe attached to it, or the other way around. And the people over there, they're all great. I mean, people just are chillaxed, and, and it's almost like a, a bit of a utopia. It's like a cafe utopia. So please check out my interview with Chromatic Coffee uh, when you have an opportunity. All right, let's go on with this interview. Here is my talk with BJ Rankin. Hit it, maestro. Out, man. (laughs) (laughs) BJ Rankin. You know what, dude? I I love uh, yelling your name out. Loud. Oh, dude! Everybody. It it it, 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 <laughs> no, it 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 has that sound to it that that power name Rankin. You oh, know? thanks. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, first time anybody's ever complimented on my last name. Yeah. Well, because you know I, I host for Scotty, and and when when you perform there, you know I have to introduce you to, to the stage, and like for some reason you remind me of that meme, like the old meme of that guy. I'm not sure you're a gamer. Yeah, I'm a gamer. But you know the the something Jenkins. Oh, Leroy Jenkins. Dude, it has the same amount of syllables. So right. Maybe so <laughs> so there's, there's Leroy Jenkins, and then there's B J Rankin, and so for some reason I think of that when I yell out your name. You do say it with the same intonation. Maybe right. you're because <laughs> you know there's that yeah. meme where like you know it's like someone yelling Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, right? yeah, that's old man. That's like. <laughs> I know I'm showing my age it's here. It's like kitties. Uh, kitties won't even know what we're talking about. And then there's BJ Rankin to the stage. I don't know. I thought it was pretty funny. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. Anyway, man, how you been? Uh, I've been doing pretty well, all things considered. Um, I've had a pretty good 2016. Um, <laughs> I think you're the only person. I, I'm the in only this human being on the planet that had an all right 2016. Oh, no, it was it was it was pretty good. This is my first full calendar year of doing comedy. That's that's something. Oh, that's right. I remember I talked to you. Well, I start I started uh, it was August twenty uh, fifteen, uh, but this is my first full three hundred sixty five days calendar year or three hundred sixty six, I guess, calendar year of doing stand up. And then, oh, so you're fairly new to it, huh? Yeah, I'm pretty new. I didn't know that. You got some interesting stage presence. I figured you were like you know been doing this for a while. I've been doing uh, uh, improv for for a long time since I was in high school. But uh, yeah, I didn't do I didn't start doing comedy until uh, wow twenty fifteen. So how was that transition from improv to stand up? Oh man, it was amazing. <laughs> the thing about uh, really it was for the better. It was way it was yeah it was for the better. I was getting uh, tired Dude. of improv mainly because. Um, the group that I was with, we were doing a lot of practicing and not too many shows. Um, and the thing that I like the most about uh, about stand up is that every practice is a show. Hmm. So you're in front of people, like you, you have to be in front of people, otherwise, like you can't practice in front of nobody. Uh, that's what I like the most about it. Yeah, man, you're like the total opposites of everything. 2016 went well for you, <laughs> and going from improv to stand up is the best thing that happened to you. Usually it's the usually it's the the other way around. Really? Oh man. Usually. Okay. Right, because when you're improv, you know you're you're in it together with a group. 
Right. You, you either gonna go to you know have a great night with the group, or you can have a bad night with the group. You got each other, but when you're a stand up, you bomb by yourself. I know, right? But oh, then yeah. you reap the rewards by yourself. I know. That's 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 yeah. the thing. Like it. I don't know. Maybe it's just how I am, but I I like that where it's just solitary on you. Like you, you succeed by yourself. You fail by yourself. How long have you been in uh, improv? Oh man, uh, I've been doing that since high school. So how long goes that? Uh, well, uh, my my ten year reunion is is in twenty seventeen. So oh, probably about uh, twelve years. Yeah, twelve years. I've been doing improv. Oh, you're still a young cat. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, what got what got you into improv? Uh, improv? Um, <laughs> probably whose line is it anyways? If I think about it, like, yeah, I just it's a lot of fun, and you know, like, and like what you mentioned earlier, it's cool to like hang out with a bunch of guys and like like-minded individuals and uh, go uh, out do a thing and be clever with each other on stage. That's fun. So it was an all-guy improv group. Oh no, I use guys as a oh I see as a catch-all term for people because I'm I'm regressive and sexist and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so in high school, you're like, all right, uh, do you have a club for it, or do you have to form it yourself? Yeah, we had an improv club, but we used to we used to be uh, we were prolific back then. Actually, um, we used to we used to perform in uh, San Jose, you know, uh, where Comedy Sports performs. Yeah, like we used to do shows there, and that was a lot of fun. I actually, I stayed with a lot of the same people doing improv uh, after high school. Um, until we all kind of went our separate ways, uh, but yeah, we had, that that was a lot of fun, a, a lot of synergy. Um, but like I said, uh, we weren't doing as many shows as I would have preferred. Uh, so you know, stand up was the way to go. Huh. And I like writing a lot too. Like I'm a I, I write a lot in my spare time. Um, I just like writing jokes. And when you're doing improv, like you you can't tell those jokes. You have to be in the moment. You can't plan anything in advance. It's like, well, I'm making all these observations. Like, I, I want to do something with them. Well, that's kind of the magic of improv, right? It's you come up on the spot, and just like that, it goes away. Yep. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's not... Well, what is that? Oh, it's a truck that passed by. It's not like a... Um, you know... You can't do the same act every night. Yeah. So that yeah. means that every night, your performance is a different joke. Yeah, and there's times where you're like, oh, that was so golden. I could use that some other time, but no, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Not really, right? Uh, the, the French call it the wit of the staircase, where you come up with something way too late that <laughs> would have been funny at that moment. Yeah, but by the moment's gone. That's yeah, that's what improv's all about. Same with same with stand up too. Like if you get a heckler and then you don't deal with it as well as you could have, and then you leave and you're like, ah, man, that was. Yeah, that's true. I could have done something there, but you know, like what you do is you just write it down. And just kind of, like, have it there in case something similar ever comes up. I guess dealing with hecklers is, like, a little improv moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not good at it yet, though. <laughs> Neither am I. Yeah. Neither am I. Uh, I think you have to do it for a while before. Well, you, you, you need to figure out how you want to come off as well. I mean, yeah. Ideally, you <clears throat> always want the audience to be on your side. So once right. you go after a heckler, you've got to really... Uh, either go really at them, yeah, yeah, but not aggressive enough for the audience to turn against you. I think the thing is, is that you can't, uh, 
you can't come off being as angry as you actually are. Yeah. I think uh, you could be angry, but you, you just, like don't 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 lose your your demeanor. Well, you need you need to give the illusion of control. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's where the uh, American comedy hero archetype will, will really should be. You should know about because that's the the cool guy. Although in a shitty situation, he looks like he has everything under control. Yeah. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's gonna say next or what's he gonna do. Uh, the last thing you want to do is give the heckler control. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there are different levels of hecklers. Yeah. There's like the guy in the back just saying like, whatever. Um, and then there's people that are just out of control, drunk, and they're like, if now, they're not even coherent, like, okay, like. I got a stupid question. Right, what's up? What's a heckler at an improv show? How, how would that look like? Cause, a heckler at an improv show? Like, honestly, is, that, is, is that even a thing? I'd, I've never encountered it, honestly. Like, because it's people. You're, I feel like you're asking for audience participation enough anyways that maybe that just kind of subsides the, the, the impulse in people to heckle because they're already contributing. It's never happened to me. Maybe it does. But uh, in I just imagine it's that guy that keeps <clears throat> throwing ideas when he's like, obviously, he already threw like five of them out. But like as you're going with the scene, he's still yelling out stuff. Maybe I don't know. Uh, it's never something I've had to deal with. I guess maybe I'm lucky. I, I don't know. know. I, I I don't really know the improv world too much, so may, maybe there's no such thing as hecklers in improv. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe that's a good incentive to join. <coughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, there not not too many hecklers. But, but then again, I didn't do. I haven't done nearly like just in one year of doing stand-up comedy. I've done more shows, more shows, more mics. I should say. Than, uh, than I've ever done doing doing improv because when you're doing improv you're doing like what a show a month if you're if you're doing well um, like I do I do four or five shows a week like doing stand up comedy. Well, what's the name of your improv? Oh well, to, um, they still exist. It's uh, but none of the original members still attend. It's called a Crystal Starship. Um, you could find them on Facebook. Um, Crystal Starship. How, how do you guys come up with that? <laughs> it was uh, we came up with that name. One of us came up with the name uh, during one of our sketches, and when this was before we even had a name, and when we were trying to come up with a name, we're like, yeah, that Crystal Starship is is amazing. We're not gonna we're not gonna come up with something better than that. Um, yeah, so I believe. Um, and this is predominantly in the Santa Cruz area. Oh no, I grew up in in Mountain View, so this was this is. In I thought Crystal you were Starship. a Santa Cruz cat. <laughs> I am. I've, I've lived there for. I'm coming up on six years. Six years, like in one week, I will have lived there for six years. But but that's where that's your primary comedy scene, though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's where I got started. In, in Santa Cruz. Yeah. So okay, so I used to work at the theater there, like for for a couple of years on Pacific Avenue. So I, I I'm pretty local. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. You lived in in your childhood, pretty much is in Mountain View. Yeah, I grew up in in Los Altos. Okay, and what high school did you go to? I went to Mountain View High. Mountain View High, and what made you the move to uh, to Santa Cruz? Well, I lived in the the city for a while, and then. Uh, it got too expensive, so... What were you doing in the city? <laughs> Not much of anything, actually. <laughs> it was, uh... You know, odd jobs and, uh... 
Like, what kind of jobs, if you mind me asking? Uh, I worked at a grocery store for a while. Um, that must be interesting. Um, at a Knob Hill in San Francisco? Oh, no, not a, not a, on on Knob Hill. It was called Cali Foods, the, the actual place. But it's located on physical Knob Hill in San Francisco. How was that? Uh, it was highly whatever. <laughs> you didn't enjoy living in the city? Oh, no, I loved living in the city. That was a lot of fun. Um, that was, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a great experience. Um, not a lot of forward momentum in my life then, but a lot of good memories, so. Were you writing then? Was it? Oh, I've, I've been writing forever. Jokes? Oh, yeah. Well, jokes and, like, short stories, scripts. Oh, interesting. You know, I, I dabble in everything. How'd you get into that? Uh... I don't know. It's just kind of something I've always been doing. Um, it doesn't come out of nowhere. Come on. <laughs> it doesn't come out of nowhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, I got really into movies in high school, and I've always I, I've I enjoy good dialogue in in movies that I watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I was really big into Tarantino when I was in high school. Um, like a huge fan of that style of like just sleek like uh cool dialogue you know between uh between characters that feel real and you know i've i i I wanted to kind of to uh, emulate that um of course other um that was also uh i still am i'm a fan of fraser yeah which i think is a very clever show still today because it's um um if you want to know like how to how to write good formulaic comedy, like that's a good example where it's everything has a setup, a payoff. It's very snappy, fast-paced uh, dialogue. Oh man, it's a it's it still holds up. And uh, did for, you, a, for per, a sitcom? So and you pursued uh, writing in school after high school? Uh, not really. I took a lot of art classes. Where'd you go to uh, university college? Uh, took a couple semesters at uh, uh, the Academy of Art oh. University, and I've and like I've been taking. Uh, I took a lot of uh, life drawing classes, even when I was in high school. Or you know, you go and you draw the model. Uh, so you're a bit of an artist as well. Uh, yeah, I like I like to I like to draw. I like, it's it's a lot of fun. Who are your guys when it comes to art? Uh, are you familiar with the artist uh, James Jean? He's a uh, he's Thai. He's Thai, I think. Yeah, he's uh, he started off as a comic book illustrator, but now he's just a a gallery fine artist, and he's my favorite living uh, uh, painter and visual artist. Um, he's great. <laughs> he's uh, the way I describe his work. It's like um. <clears throat> You know, like uh, those old uh, uh, late nineteenth-century posters, the Art Nouveau style. He's like that mixed with uh, Salvador Dali and uh, East, uh, Southeast Asian, or like a Japanese. It's a lot of things going on. Like he, he's he's very talented. I'm just really, he, and he knows how to make really interesting uh, psychedelic kind of landscapes but like at the same time he's not he's not non-representational 
like he he draws uh, things, forms, you know, like people, uh, tigers. He likes to draw tigers, and he likes uh, water, and it's very dynamic and very abstract and uh, very colorful. And the way that he puts it all together is just is very organic. I, I appreciate that. Do you continue to do art to this day? Uh, I, uh, I I doodle. <laughs> Does doodling count? Uh, sure. I, I don't do it too much. I, I, most of my focus is just getting on stage somewhere and telling jokes. Oh. It's another really good artist. Uh, I'm not even entirely sure how you pronounce his name. It's a Yidzlaw Beksinski. Where's this guy from? Um, I think he's Ukrainian. He, he passed away about like 10 years ago and he was stabbed to death. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. Why? Like, um, I think his son owed somebody money, and then the guy came, like, looking for him, and, and the guy, unfortunately, stabbed him to death. Yeah, cool. crazy, right? Um, but this guy, he uh, kind of drew these really somber, like, nightmare scapes of, like... Uh, these really skeletal figures. He was a fantasy drawer. Like all this stuff is, uh, it's uh, not of like people or anything like that. But it's these bizarre like wastelands and barren deserts with like these corpse people. Oh man, he's he's fantastic too. I recommend him very highly. Um, he was one of the big ones. One of the like I was drawn to when I was first starting to get to draw because the way that he like he was a very he was a stickler for uh, anatomy but it was like bizarre twisted anatomy like not real anatomy but at the same time like you felt like these things had bones and like muscle and flesh but at the same time it's all twisted and and, and gnarly oh, good stuff very good stuff so in San Francisco this is stuff you're into because you were going to school for art yeah, and you were working at a supermarket, mm-hmm. and and then what happened from there? Uh, well, I worked there for a pretty. Uh, I lived in the city for uh, four years, just about, and then in 2011, um, I lived in the like uh, I called it. Uh, what was it? it? I used to say it was like the tenderloin at night and the and Knob Hill during the day it was like on that border um and then it just kind of got like the rent went up and I, I couldn't afford it anymore I was living literally in a closet like it was it was an apartment like the size there. of the studio no oh no like the, this was the size of well people listening can't tell but like it, it was just um it was a small one person apartment uh-huh. I mean, it was meant for one person. It was a was, studio. Right? Yeah, and I was literally living in the walk-in closet. Oh, man, like like Harry Potter? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. How, how much <laughs> were you paying a month? Uh, back then, I was paying 500 Wow, for yeah. that little small sliver. Yeah, well, for the for the whole thing, but yeah. <laughs> my, my roommate was uh, paying slightly more. But yeah, even still, like 500 was a lot and then it went up and then I was like well I'm not gonna I mean I can't pay more to live in in this so I moved down to Santa Cruz 
Hmm. Why did you choose Santa Cruz? Because it was cheaper. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. And and that's and you go to Santa Cruz and what you doing over there? Uh, just <laughs> working to pay the bill. I took a couple of classes at um at at Cabrillo because I thought that. <laughs> Maybe I would be better at school after I'd matured a little bit, um, and that wasn't entirely the case. <laughs> this is never my strong suit. Um, so now I'm just kind of I'm I'm slumming it there, but you know there there are worse places. Like uh, it's by the beach, the weather's nice. It's so nice right now. We're entering my uh, my favorite uh, my favorite week of the year, right after New Year's, when all the uh, college kids are out of town and it's the dead of winter so there aren't too many tourists around that's that's the best time to be in Santa Cruz it's that and uh, there's like a week in I think it's late August when everybody's gone at Burning Man mm-hmm. that's the other best week <laughs> <laughs> and then school hasn't started yet pretty much you're saying that Santa Cruz needs less people oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's also the thing because when I first moved there I moved there in uh uh like the first week of January in 2011 and that was like my first introduction to living there and that was delightful <laughs> that's that's kind of if I had moved there during any other week I think I would not have stayed there as long hmm. honestly as uh, it does get very crowded especially during the summer yeah I bet I bet and then you how'd you get into stand-up like, is there a specific place that uh, you went to, or is there, you had to build up to it? Actually, well, um, I started, like I said before, in uh, 2015, uh, around, or late August, kind of near Labor Day, and, like, <laughs> I was I was working a job that I just absolutely hated. Um, I was working at a furniture store in Las Gatas at the time, and, uh, I had recently gone through uh, a breakup and I wasn't in a good space and was like, well, like I could either. How long guys were together? Uh, just about a year. Well, yeah. well, it was like not super long, but a good amount. But like you know, I was I was kind of in in the dumps, uh, and I didn't really have anything to like do to take my mind off of it. And I said like, you know, uh, I've always wanted to do stand up comedy, so. And I've always talked about, like, yeah, I should do it. I should do it. And there are all these open mics around town. And then, you know, like, might as well. This is... I need something. I need something that's just mine and that I have fun doing. So I, I, I jumped in. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing it from, uh, continuously yeah, ever since. I, I think maybe I've missed a week or two. Uh, aside from that, I've been doing it every week. Get the bug. Oh, yeah. And so far, so good, huh? Oh yeah, man. It's uh, it's been a huge pleasure. And the learning curve? Do you feel like you really developed? Oh yeah, it's this <laughs> one, from this one year. Oh sure, yeah. I feel like I've definitely improved. Uh, and like I see other people that started after me, and they're definitely improving. But yeah, that's one of the hardest things in comedy is to get over the learning curve. Because when you start, like you're you're not that good your your ratio of uh hits to bombs is is pretty abysmal when you first get started it's uh so you there is there is definitely like a, a mental fortitude that you need to build up at first 
where you go up and then it's like, well, okay, nobody liked me, but you know, how do, how do I work on that? Um, there are ways to work on it, especially like at the very beginning, the most important thing to do is to, uh, is to overcome your, your, um, your stage fright. It's like, that's the most important thing is just getting comfortable being up there by yourself. Like, like you mentioned earlier in, uh, in, uh, improv, you're up there, you, you're there with, you're part of a unit, you're part, you're there with a team, the people that'll support you. It doesn't need to be you all the time. And then that was like the hugest thing coming off of, coming off of that and doing uh stand up is where you're just like, well, it's, it's just you, man. That's, <laughs> that's, Did you that's have all. a stage fright then? Um, I mean, uh, from doing improv for so long, uh, I, uh, I, I did have stage fright, but it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. It was manageable, but I was definitely nervous the first few times going up because, you know, it's, it's a different kind, it's a whole different animal because it's just, like you said, it's just you. That's uh, your your successes or failures are are entirely your own, and there's nobody else there to to pick up the slack. As far as writing, I think you're a great writer because uh, you put oh, your thanks, you, you put your writings on social media, and like on a Facebook post or on, right, yeah. On, on um, a tweet? Do you tweet? Yeah, I do have a Twitter. Uh, re- um, I recently but, acquired a Twitter. But I know you from Facebook. Well, I know you from Open Mic, of course. But like. I enjoy some of your stuff. I think it's pretty funny. Thanks a lot, man. However, do you worry about putting your stuff on social media about it possibly being, you know, taken? What do you mean? Like, oh, people taking those jokes and yeah, saying them somewhere else. Well, uh, about that, I only put my concepts uh, out there. Like, uh, I, I, there are a few jokes that I put on Facebook that I do incorporate into my act, but that's just like the starting off point, you know, like, okay, if somebody wants to take that idea and say it on stage, like they, they get a one liner at best, like 10 seconds of material where, um, there are a few jokes I've done. Like I build off, that's a building point, you know, like, uh, uh, so like, so they, they did 10 seconds of, of my material. I've got a minute, a minute and a half so I'm not I'm not too worried, and at the same time, like I, I'd, I'd rather people, like for every one joke thief that sees my material, is like yeah I'm gonna use that in my act. Like there's, uh, just a hundred other people that will just see it and think it's funny and clever and witty and, you know I I'll take that exposure if at least even if one person is out there, uh, taking my material, it's not something I worry about. Interesting, because that's something I, I I personally worry about. I was like, I don't I don't know. I'm very insecure in that sense. Oh really? Like, I, like I, no way am I like, oh, it's so good that everybody's gonna take it. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure in reality is nobody's gonna take it really. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's that one percent chance. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of anybody uh, stealing my material yet. So. Guess you're maybe good. I'm not, maybe I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you you definitely have a a like. I don't think it's an an accident because you said that you're into Frasier, you're into sitcom, you're into for, formulaic kind of humor. Um, improv has certain elements of like that of fast, witty, uh, yeah, uh, comedy, 
And that's and that's something to this day. You feel like you, do you feel like you're emulating still? Uh, emulating. I don't know about emulating, but like it was it was a good jumping off point. Um, I, I I hope that when people see me up there, that they think I'm doing my own thing because that's the most important thing. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of comedians out there, and there's lots of ways to approach humor. You got to find something that's that's your own because that's what people are there to see. There's they're there to see a uh, unique perspective. Because you go out there, you see some comedians, and they're like, oh, there's a joke about my in-laws. <laughs> like, like, isn't airplane food not as good as ground food? And you're like, oh, like, we, we've all been there. Nobody's here, nobody's here to see your take on the in-law joke. Nobody's here to see your take on, on airline food. That's, well, that's done before. Do, do something that, that people haven't, haven't done before. Mm. Um. So well, far, generation. It's more about Tinder jokes. And, <laughs> I don't even do those, and, man. And, and I, I did have one online dating joke when I started, but yeah. then I realized that everybody had an online dating joke. Well, in some ways, you, you kind of. I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's like the. If you don't have it and you're doing fine without it, great. Right. But it's good to have just to have it in your whole store. Oh yeah. Just in case, right? Right, right. Because you know, because. Mm-hmm. As much as those jokes are like khaki, or as long as those jokes are, are everyone has them. Right. I, I'm sure as you learn in stand up, is that every group you need to read the situation. And sometimes your original content is just not working on them. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? well, like, like for me, like when I lose crowds, it's like, oh, fuck, I have to do that stupid pun joke. I hate right, puns. yeah, there's the but jokes I, that you hate. Yeah, but you <laughs> but have to do them for, for them to have a good time. Right, right. In, in some sense. I, I, I understand. It's the same thing with, like, uh, I equate uh, airline food and in-law jokes with uh, Hitler jokes. Because when everybody gets started, everybody has a Hitler joke. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I, I had a Hitler joke, too. And you, I do not have a Hitler you joke. You don't yet. have a Hitler joke. Not yet. Holy I'm, smokes. I'm a bit you're, behind. You're the... <laughs> You're you're kind of a, a unicorn in that regard of everybody, because you know like when he's like oh I'm gonna have this sweet Hitler joke or it's gonna be so edgy it's gonna be <laughs> everybody's gonna think I'm so shocking and then you go to like yeah a hundred open mics and it's like everybody has a Hitler joke yeah and it's like even if you think yours is funny like it's there's just so many Hitler jokes like yours has to be phenomenal in order to to. To, to work with that material and have have it stick with people. It's like, okay, like, so at best case scenario, usually, is uh, people just think your Hitler joke is, like, they, they won't remember it. It'll just be, they'll, they'll think it's mediocre. It won't resonate with them. And the worst case scenario, your Hitler joke, like, strikes a wrong nerve with audiences, and it's just, it's, it is actually offensive. And it's like, okay, well, like, and, and then like every once in a blue moon, your Hitler joke will actually be funny. Um, and I don't, I don't think my Hitler material is, is there yet. So I, if it, if it isn't, if the best case scenario is just it not adding anything to the act and like, there's a chance it could really piss people off. Like I, I, I say that's, that's not a gamble worth taking most of the time. Have you pissed off anyone with your material? <laughs> um, I have. Yeah, I've, I've pissed people off before. Uh, not not that often. Uh, 
And, it, and not with my Hitler material either. Uh, <laughs> I had a joke about um, about fisting. You've probably heard it. Um, I, I do it a lot. It's still my favorite joke. When I first got started, uh, I, I made the, this joke. Uh, the joke is, uh, do you know what fisting is? It's a lot like fingering, but it's five times better. Right. Yeah, I, I, I tell that one a lot. Um, and I told it to some... Uh, some guy at a bar. Do you know Bocce's Cellar? Bocce. I've yet to perform there, but I heard of it, yes. Yeah, it's back, actually. Um, Schwa's running it. I don't know if you know him. But um, it, I did it. I did that joke there, and it was like, I told it to this one guy at the bar, this older, dude, like Sam Elliott-looking guy, and he was just not, like, he didn't even, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't even say anything back to me. He was just, like, he just nodded his head. He's it wasn't even like anger; it was just a supreme disappointment, <laughs> and I just felt so bad. <laughs> I, was, I was like, "I'm sorry, man. That's that's what I got." And you as good as it gets. That's as good as it gets, dude. And you weren't feeling it. Um, and then I had this other bit about um, <laughs> about vaginas, but I won't go into that, like the details. And it was about fifty-fifty, where people were either really on board with it, or people just absolutely hated it. So, um, I kind of backed off of, uh, of that one because the, you know, 50, 50, like between doing well and just like losing audiences was, um, <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was a gamble that I, I need better odds than 50, 50. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Bocce is not, not been, I've been to, of course, everyone has gone to the Blue Lagoon, um, Great show. Yeah, yeah, great, great room, dude. Amazing showcase room mm-hmm. for sure. Um, You've been to uh, the, the Patriot, poet? yeah, the poet and the Patriot, yeah, a couple of times, one or two times. Um, that's actually that's um, that was where I did my very first open mic, and I think that's the at least in Santa Cruz, or at least out of all the places that I've performed, that's the uh, that's the best place to to get started. That's your go to room over there. Uh, it was. Um, I try not to have a go to room. Right these days, because I want to, I want to go to as many rooms as possible and feel oh. out the different audiences. But the but blue... you you gotta have a home room. Come on, <laughs> sure. Every well, comedian has a home room. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's say it's the poet and the patriot. It's a it's a very um, it, supportive room, and uh-huh. there's generally a decent amount of people there, um, and you get a, a good amount of time. So if you're looking to start stand up comedy, the uh, can't go wrong at the Poet and the Patriot. Has your material uh, has gone through an evolution? Although I mean, I know you're only doing this for a year, but even then, do you oh feel, yeah, do you feel course. like the material you you come up with is different now than it was when you first started? Oh, absolutely. Like when I when I first started, um, I was kind of doing the I wanted to be like the next Mitch Hedberg, you know, like do uh, a series of one-liners, and it was really funny because I had all these jokes written out, and I went up. And I did all of them, and like that was only three minutes, because <laughs> one-liners are short. You don't realize how short they are. That's not that's not a six-minute set. And I did that for a little while. Um, and I think that's a good place to start because it's, it's a, at least your it's very scattershot, and you can kind of find out what people respond to. And uh, like a. Uh, and then once after you've done that for a while, um, or I don't know, some people keep on doing uh, one-liners after that, and some people, 
I know people that are really good that basically do just one-liners. Um, but myself, I then I kind of settled in like, okay, like people respond to this, I'll, I'm gonna, uh, I'll, I'll expand on this idea more, or uh, maybe I'll try doing this because I've never done something like that before. And uh, then I kind of now my, now my set is uh, mainly uh, stories. Uh, <laughs> there, the one that I've been telling the longest is uh, this one about me being fat in high school, which is it's a total lie. <laughs> I, I wasn't that heavy in high school, but I've, that's one that I just love telling. I'm the opposite. I I started with storytelling, and now I'm trying really? to I'm trying to really chisel it down to like shorter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's material. That's kind of where I go um, when I start a new joke. Now is um, I'll start with something longer, and uh, yeah, then then refine it. And after a while, try to make it like uh, make the the least amount of uh, build up between each laugh, especially when you when it's open mic and you don't have that much time. Um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting process. Like I said, it's fun though because every single practice is a show. Like you don't like, and you learn fast too, or hopefully you do because you get that immediate feedback. It's not like where you spend all these hours on a painting or rehearsing a play, and then at the very end you find out like, oh, you were working on some crap. Like nobody, nobody appreciates or likes this. Uh, I, <laughs> I like the fact that like when you're up there, you're at a small mic in a divey bar, which is just my favorite uh, setting to practice my material because it's like, I, I like to go to the bars where it's uh, not too many people and maybe they're not there to listen to comedy. Like they're... It's just their hangout after work or whatever, and they're so just there to So you stay away from big crowds? Oh, no, I love big crowds. But I'm saying, like, when I'm practicing my new material, yeah. I like a room that's a little bit rougher because if you can work with those people, like, if you could reach them, people that really could care less that there's, uh, that there's a comedy show going on there, like, uh, then, then working with a big crowd of people who definitely want to be there for comedy will be no problem. Hmm. Yeah, man. I I, I think it's interesting that you started in the Santa Cruz scene. Uh, one thing I noticed going over there, uh, I I don't go there very often, but when I do, it's always a supportive vibe. It is. And it, I feel for a newcomer for sure, because I feel like Santa Cruz and other places like the the city and stuff. There's already a history within the city of performance, art, and culture and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So already, I think for the most part, the crowds over there are on your side. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on top of that, you know, uh, the comedians I've met from Santa Cruz are pretty cool people. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, that's uh, that's totally true. That's uh, Santa Cruz is a wonderful place to get started because of just how generally receptive and friendly the audiences are. Like even if even if you do not so great, they're not going to get hostile generally. Um, that's that's always nice. But like they're. More off, like when I first did my first set in uh, San Jose, uh, which is where that was at a caravan. Yeah. Oh man, that was yeah. that was a wake up call right there. Caravan will make a man out of you for sure. Absolutely, great room. I love that room. Uh, 
but like you said, uh, Santa Cruz is is um, it's a newer scene. Um, is it? Yeah, it's. I mean, like uh, DNA has been doing his thing at the Blue Lagoon for for uh, about a little under ten years now. But uh, uh, Poet and the Patriot is two years old. Uh, like Bocce has, has had starts and stops, but it's not that old. Um, uh, Rosie McCann's is like a year old now. So all those rooms are very new. Um, and I kind of like that, you know, like there, it's the, the rooms may be new, but as far as, as I, uh, know is that the comedy scene in Santa Cruz was still very much, uh, a oh, thing really? happening for, for decades. Oh, oh, shows how much I know. <laughs> well, I mean, you got theaters like the, the what's a the big theater that you got like stand ups coming in? Oh, uh, the, the Rio. The Rio. Yeah. You know, how long that's been there? Oh, forever. That's, I guess you're right. Uh, I've actually never seen a, an act there yet, so I'm gonna oh. need to I'm gonna need to get that out of the way at some point. Like I feel I may be wrong myself, but I, like what I what, what I say is that the people that are there, um, they have the people that are there, like the the, the current community they have like they haven't been doing it for like a super long time so you're saying there's a new generation yeah it's a new generation um so it's you know it's a bunch of people like all trying to you know establish something in the town um and it's it's a lot of fun you know being around being around all these people that are that are more or less newbies most of us haven't even been doing it for five years um very few of us for more and it's you know very, so, it's very exploratory. So DNA's been doing it for 10 years, you said? Yeah, at, l- at least. So uh, he's like the sage over there? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> he's the, um, the... The Blue Lagoon is kind of the... The, uh, the cornerstone of, of the comedy scene there. And that always has fantastic crowds. And he brings in people from uh, a wider radius than just... Santa Cruz, um, and it's uh, and it's like a lo- that's a legitimate comedy show. You know, you go, people are there to watch comedy. It's set up in a, like with a stage. There aren't too many um, rooms out there that just have that have a, a, a stage where you're standing above uh, the rest of the the audience, and that that makes a huge difference. And uh, he has a live band um, that also makes a huge difference. Um, oh so. yeah, see. Combining music and 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 comedy, oh man, it's like a it's like it's a chocolate and peanut butter. Oh, uh, it's it's great. It, yeah, and it, you know, there's some people. Some people are like, no, they shouldn't. It's it's bullshit because no, if you think lies, about it, lies. If you think about stand up, is stand up and music came together. Yeah, would you watch specifically jazz? <laughs> you know, back in the days. Yeah, yeah. Jazz lounges is where you saw people performing stand up. Absolutely. And the stand ups had a jazz band behind them. So what, what convey the notion I'm trying to convey is that there should not necessarily be a separation between music and comedy. That there's a good balance to be had in there. That, that I feel a lot maybe because I feel the I feel more comedians. It doesn't matter if you're open mic. You should really look into the history of comedy because it's really fascinating stuff. And I think there's a lot to take away from it and to apply it into our modern age. Oh, that's, yeah. that's my little shtick on that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I can't comment because I 
No, because I, I, I'm an uncultured swine who's who has not done any research on that. But no, because I, I, I can understand. Yeah, because yeah, I heard feedback is all oh, really. You got musicians playing at a at a comedy oh, open mic, or you got this, and it's like, well, fuck so you, man. Watch it's this. a show for me. <laughs> it's a show, and I, and I it, absolutely, absolutely. Like, uh, would you watch Letterman if they didn't have the band? Like, <laughs> yeah, if there's no band, there's no Letterman, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know about it's that one. Part of, part of the show, man. Yeah. You, 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 it just it just gives it that little bit of spice, you know, that that makes it uh, a little bit more enjoyable. Well, I, I think comedy stand-up is changing. I think... I uh, think so? I, I do, on a cultural level. I mean, like I said, I, I'm sure I mentioned this before, but... People are taking more serious of what a comedian says on stage than they do of a, of a politician. If you look at it, oh, like the, the comedian has, be, has become, uh, in some weird sense, as a person of influence, in a sense, because here's what I'm saying, Cosby right. would not have happened if what happened to him, he would never have been caught if Hannibal Buress hadn't said what he said on stage. Yeah, that's probably true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's other cases like that recently where it's like, oh, so-and-so said this at his performance or it's like, right. so-and-so and and this happened at Amy Schumer's show and look what <laughs> happened. And it's like, it's a goddamn show that you're supposed to enjoy it while you're there. Right. That's interesting. Anything um. after <laughs> that, it's like, it doesn't really matter. You have to really be in the show to really fully experience it. And because of that, we got, you know, this bullshit of like, political correctness and this and that which itself I don't think is necessarily a big deal I don't really uh, it doesn't bother me that much honestly because it's like you know every every generation has its own like flavor what they what they find funny what they don't find funny it's like okay just roll with it you can complain about it all you want that's not going to uh, that's not going to to change anybody's minds by just yeah. bitching about it what's fun about comedy though is you could go in and like it, comedy is all about subverting expectations right and you know it's just with the whole new uh, PC culture that's just a whole new landscape of expectations that you can mess around with well, like that's that's fun well, like I guess bottom line what I'm trying to say is that I think comedy is being perceived a little too serious than it really should be uh yeah perhaps um like maybe on the high high level like um people like Amy Schumer and like Trevor Noah people who, who kind of, like who have who also have political slants you know uh, yeah. and I think people but in I, this age are kind of gravitating more towards that because you know politics are I don't know if you've heard of this but politics are kind of a mess right now maybe you're sort of aware and you know people want that catharsis of being able to just go to a room and just have somebody get up on a mic and say exactly what they think yeah like uh, without without like oh it's sponsored by whoever or um or like they have a, a, a hidden agenda it's just somebody getting up there and and saying it how it is you know like when up uh, weren't weren't carlin and um uh, all those guys like uh getting started when uh when Nixon was was big, so I think uh, I think uh, political turmoil and uh, and and uh, disillusionment kind of kind of breeds a good atmosphere for uh, 
for stand-up comedy. Like, but, but here's what I'm saying: is your comedy career can be jeopardized by a joke that you say. Oh yeah, that's. I think that's always been the case. I, I don't think it always been the case. I, I think this is a new development. This I don't know. and this is what I mean: why comedy is changing. Well, Maybe, and, and because <clears throat> it's it's a lot like Darwinism, and I think Rock Chris Rock said it best: a comedian would a successful comedian would never say or would not keep saying a bad joke oh yeah you know because the audience and the laugh that approves this joke mm-hmm. so it's not like a comedian's out there to say a bad offensive jokes I mean right it's, oh, it's your job as a performer to, to really pick pick and choose which works which doesn't work okay and redevelop them yeah well, well I think a lot of people don't realize um, about jokes that are offensive like I'm not advocating going out and being offensive your your job as a comedian is to make people laugh before anything else and i think yeah you could you could have a funny joke that's offensive but it needs to be funny first right is the right. main thing right. um it's something i told people for scotty because for scotty it's kind of notorious for being a semi-clean room yeah um that's it, that's the thing like you you want you want people to be having a good time so don't yeah. go out there like ah i'm just gonna be offensive and maybe people will pick up that I'm being ironic. That's a, that's dangerous. Well, this is why I tell people who, who who really aren't secure about their joke. I was like, you know what? Just t- say something that I can defend. Right. Say something that if the owner hears a complaint and he comes up to me and says, somebody from your audience complained about this. Right. Give me something I can defend. <laughs> Which means, yeah, he said that or she said that, but right. damn, it was funny. Yeah, you may have a complaint from that one person, but yeah. I was there in the room, and I, I I could I could tell you that people there were having a good time with that joke, as offensive as it may be. Right. Don't give me a joke I cannot defend. Right. You know? <laughs> don't, don't, and that's solid advice. Uh, but what I'm saying is that like the general audiences, uh, this isn't even really a complaint because most people don't do comedy. So I mean, it's just something you have to deal with. But I think most people. Uh, don't realize uh, how uh, easy it, it is to to piss people off sometimes, like and, it, and that's never the comedian's intention, or or almost never. I have seen comedians out there to piss people off, but uh, we're all every every comedian is just trying to make people laugh, and when they do a joke that isn't taken really well, um, it's I, I, it's not from a place of hate, and I've seen people I, I've seen. This happened kind of recently. I've, there was this one show that I was at, um, where there's there was this one audience member in Santa Cruz that that um, was very uh, not receptive to a lot of the the acts that were going that were going up, and then uh, this person finally did go up and wanted to do a bit about um, the Dakota Pipeline. Wait, so well, hold on. So this person was was an audience member. Yeah. Who want, who eventually got up on stage? Who eventually perform. got up on stage to perform? Yeah, and okay. they did a bit about the Dakota Pipeline, and I know they were trying to be like ironic, um, like like a mean ironic, but it, it just came off as as really racist and, and oh, mean, <laughs> and they got booed and people were leaving. And oh, like, really? Yeah, that bad? Yeah, it was. I'd never. I'd actually. That was the very first time I ever saw somebody straight got booed off stage. And he, it wasn't even a comic. It was an audience member who was giving it a try. Well, for those five minutes or whatever, they were a comic. But uh, but it's like it's that. It's like you know you were. I know you were coming from a place like from a good place. I know that you're like you're okay 
<laughs> you're not you're not racist or anything like that but it's like you know it's sometimes material like that is just so sensitive and like you and it's 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 very easy to to mess up and be yeah. be offensive right and i think not a lot of people um realize that well, right off the bat um again that's part of the learning process oh yeah absolutely if, if this particular person is really considering having a career in comedy whether small or big whether he wants you know whatever that's a learning curve oh shit they joke walk people yeah I should probably work on it I should yeah. probably not say or it or not say it <laughs> but then you know there's people who are like well, try it once once in a lifetime it's no big deal they could just oh right. well that happened yeah so who, I think who it's, gives a shit yeah I think it's uh, you know I, I mean I do it but I what's cool about stand up is that, or at least on the open mic level is that there's no real barrier between you and 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 going up there and do, like, you just need to go to a place that you know there's a mic happening and sign up and you could do it like yeah. and that's it's very interesting like I, I always that's the most interesting thing to me about doing stand up is that there's literally no barrier like you don't need to know how to play an instrument you don't need to have been in a play nobody asked for your resume or anything you don't need to have a degree um, it's just basically you just need to show up and go up and the funny thing about that is that like okay San Jose is like a city with a million people and in the Bay Area there's Oakland and San Francisco huge cities and I see the same people all the time like it's not too many people that that cross that threshold and decide to to actually do it and keep doing it so uh, I, I don't know that's very interesting to me because there's no cost to going up and doing it like there's well there's an emotional cost there can yeah. be. <laughs> there can be, but yeah. uh, maybe maybe if you have respect for yourself, you'll yeah. you'll, you'll you'll not try it. But there have been sets where I, I regretted even waking up. I was like, oh, <laughs> I should have not been done that. Oh yeah, there, I've I've had sets that went over horribly. Um, I have I have not been booed by more than one person at, at once though. So you got booed once. I, I've been I've had a, I've done a set. A couple of times where just one person was like boo I'm like and it wasn't even like it wasn't it wasn't angry boo it was like just it was a very nonchalant uh -huh. show of disapproval so I don't know I think maybe at some point I need to in order to grow as a comedian I need to get like full booed yeah so really yeah. piss somebody off get but, kicked off stage huh? yeah <laughs> Well, you know, maybe it, it depends. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not sure if you have. But I hope you have. Will you diversify your your audience? Uh, how do you mean? Well, you know, there's the bar crowd. Oh yeah. There's the cafe crowd. Right. Uh, you know, if the, the, some will say the urban crowd. Then you say there's the the geek crowd. Then you see, you know. Yeah. Believe it or not, there is certain. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Demographics that each show really has, and you. Especially for a newcomer, you right. should do all of them. Oh yeah, I, to really figure out where your voice really is at, at, at its best. I advocate because you know, for Scotty, I tell people, was like, "Hey, dude, your shit's funny, but it, I think it's you're better off at, at a bar." Like you know, the, yeah. the, there'll be times yeah. where like someone's I feel it's like funny as shit at for Scotty, but the audience is just not having it. Right. And I'm like, because it's a cafe crowd. Like, right. Actually, dude, I really like for Scotty's. Yeah. I haven't been there in a few months, but uh, it's a. It is a very different vibe than a lot of places, and I, I think when you're when you're beginning, I think it's uh, it can be problematic when you're like, I need to do 
I need to do great in every crowd, which is ideally yes. But if you don't, that's okay. Like don't 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 feel oh, yeah. so shitty about it because that just means that you need to discover more more types of people right, right. to perform it. Yeah, I, um, I'm I'm at this place right now where I want to um, I'm kind of expanding my radius because I mean you know Santa Cruz is a very small town comparatively and uh, like even even over the hill over, like over here uh, it's nearby and it's it's kind of homogenous uh, San Jose and uh, that's interesting. Oakland, I think it is, man. Like y- San Jose is homogenous for you. Uh, yeah, there's sort of a there. There's an atmosphere here that is pervasive, um, if you know what I mean. I it's, don't emphasize. Um, uh, well, a lot of places um, are. Uh, I don't. Know, there seems to be this. Uh, um, I don't know if indifference is the right word to describe it. Uh, uh, okay, I see where you're going now. Uh, where okay, like it, it's the thing where uh, Santa Cruz is small and like everybody, I mean not a, not everybody knows each other, but there's like a, there's a community feeling, you know. And then when you take a city like San Jose, which has like a million people, um, people just don't have the the mental energy to like to 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 relate to that many people at the same time. So it's kind of like this: I'm here to do my thing. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not necessarily here to, to be receptive to what other people are putting out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get that a lot from Frascati's because there's that, uh, like, I mean, people in the front are definitely there because you can't ignore it. But, uh, like there's that upper deck where everybody's just there doing their homework or checking their emails and stuff like that. And they're, when I'm performing at Frascati's, is like I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get those people, you know, yeah. the people that don't care that there's comedy going on because, like you know, like I said earlier, it's it's easy to get people that are already there just to laugh and have a good time. Like to to win people over is the is the real uh, challenge, and that's where that's where you really build your talent. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some nights at Frascati where the the, the, the lower parts almost like almost empty but fully filled at the balcony yep. you know you know what yep. that means been, yep exactly <laughs> stop studying <laughs> I'm doing a joke about being on acid I mean I, I see what you're saying and I, again I think a lot of that relates because you mentioned before that Santa Cruz is a young scene and I think San Jose is, is, is an even younger scene is it? Yes, very well, there are people that have been doing it for a while. I feel like there's more of a right, but if if you think about it, the open mics, n- none of them are over five years. None. Oh, really? Caravan, Woodhams. Sure, there's plenty mm-hmm. of open mics that pop left and right, but the, right. But the average, you know, lifespan of an open mic is a year if you're lucky, because it takes a lot of time and dedication, really. So the fact. Oh that, yeah, sir. The, sure. the fact that we only have a, a few selective open right. mics that are like reaching the third years or the fourth year right and on top of that are it's they're widespread there's I think it's hard to really get a sense of community that is true when they're, everything they're is far apart they're far apart and on top of that um, the culture in San Jose is definitely more of a working man's culture yeah where people Absolutely. are there to do business. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, San Jose State as a university is having that issue. It's a commuter school. People are there to do their business and then, and then leave. leave. Yeah. Um, but other than that, well, see the thing is, San Jose does have its institutions, man. Like it has a, it has the improv, 
been around forever. Like that's that's it has that anchor, you know. And like uh, there's a uh, uh, Rooster Tees, like uh, that's also been around for a while. Like the places like that, um, where like maybe the individual open mics come and go, but like there are places like that. There's nothing like there's there's the Rio, right. um, well, in, he, but he, in Santa Cruz, but that's not a dedicated uh, comedy. Well, he, here's what I'm saying though. Because in the past, when you're a good comic in San Jose, you would move out of San Jose. Yeah. In the, I mean, it's not so recently that do you really see comedians who live here in San Jose and who are good and who are, are staying in San Jose. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I would assume even ten years ago, if you're good. Oh yeah, get the hell out. You go, yeah. <laughs> you, you go to the city. You go even Santa Cruz. Yeah. Well, the th- I think it's mainly uh, uh, it has to do with just San Jose's. Like just it's getting big, man. It's a it's a bigger city than most people realize, mm-hmm. and I think it's also the fact that uh, um, the Bay Area is just kind of has untapped potential when it comes to when it comes to stand up. You know, like it's there's San Francisco, which has always been a big deal, um, but there's there's like there's Oakland. A lot of artists are moving out to Oakland nowadays, yeah. and uh, San Jose is just this massive city. Uh, and you know, people people always want to be entertained. Well, I feel it's changing now. I, I think there's plenty of people who are really considering and staying in San Jose and doing their their oh really their their, their work, the performance work. I mean, I think. I mean, yeah, it's a big it's a big city where there's where there's, there's where there's a lot of people. There will be uh, necessarily a lot of a lot of opportunities to do whatever. Um, and, just because it has that business like atmosphere, there's still. There's still a demand for it. There's always going to be a demand for it, and the more people there are, the more demand there will be. At least that's how I see it. No, I, I totally agree. But on top of that is, like you said, it has already these institutions. But on, on a more local open mic level, right? There's still I feel there's more work to be done. I, oh, I, sure thing. But that's the fun part, man. That it's not like this all. It's we're we're kind of uh, figuring it out, uh, or all all these people that are running these open mics, right? Is like, hey, if they stick with it, like these, they they could they could start something that'll that'll be uh, like uh, they'll stay around for much longer, mm-hmm. and kind of build a name for itself. And you know, like it's cool because San Jose and uh, doesn't really have that right now. Um, there are a lot of and a lot of people are doing good work to to possibly make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and hey, that'd be cool if there's like a, a group of guys that, are, that just come out of. Uh, San Jose, like that first solid uh, comedy uh, environment. Well, I'm very much optimistic because there is a new, diverse uh, things happening in San Jose. Oh yeah, certainly. Because I'm not sure if you heard, but I think like you, you got the the usual bar, open mics. Yeah. As far as I know, Frascati's only cafe, uh, comedy oriented open mic. And pretty soon you got other cats like Mighty Mike McGee is doing this great show at at, at a jazz club. Oh really? The, the yeah. Gong Show. So, oh yeah, I've I've so, always wanted to go to that one. So there's a new thing happening now in San Jose where not only people are really sticking around, but on top of that, there's a diversification of of crowds. There's a diversification of venues, which I think uh, I'm very optimistic and I'm looking forward to it. But say but saying that, I think that's something that Santa Cruz and San Francisco. Even parts of Oakland had that sense of community, that sense of diversification of, oh, of right. acts. Oh yeah. I mean, okay. the Blue Lagoon itself—it's a great example. You got comedians, you got music. Right. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's fertile grounds if you wanna if you wanna make your name, man. There's not, 
<laughs> There's not a better time than now to get started. I don't know about that. Who's so? I don't know. I'm uh, optimistic, but then again... Unless you hate PC culture, but, then you but might then be again, a hard time. We are in a Trump presidency, so... That is true, yeah. So I don't know where, where it's going to go. If you're feeling horribly depressed about that, go to go to your local comedy club and, and, and tip heavily. <laughs> R.I.B. J. Rankin, an hour has passed. Really? Wow. We're there. Holy crap. Closing up shop. That is my... This is my very first uh, podcast ever. Uh, How'd you feel about it? You're, you're doing okay? Are we okay? Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're doing great over we're, here. We're good, BJ? Absolutely. I like yeah. you, BJ. I, I, I missed you for Scotty. I don't see you there no more. Yeah, I need to get out to San Jose uh, more often. Are you, are you hosting it again? Yeah, I'm back. Oh, right on. That's great. I remember you, like, when you first started coming, there was, like, a new wave of Santa Cruz comedians coming out. Oh, those, uh, those guys are all still around. I like, I know Tony Zavala came when you came and... Yeah, some other cats. Funny, funny guy. The new a lot of a lot of newbies. Um, I think mostly people start picking it up, and for whatever reason, there's like a season for for new co- for new comedians. It's generally over the summer. And then <laughs> during, but they ain't doing shit. Yeah, yeah. During, <laughs> and then during the winter, uh, it's it kind of weeds out the people that weren't really serious about it. Right, right. But but nothing for the best for you and your and your newly con- uh, stand up. Um, journey. Any uh, uh, anything new? I, I hope uh, uh, I hope <laughs> I hope you, you you find your developer voice soon. Oh, if, if you um, haven't already, I don't know. Hey, well, me too, man. I'm always I'm always uh, I always go out and grind and see and see what sticks and see what people are are, are receptive to. It's hey, part of the fun. Where can people check you out? Right on, man. Thanks where, for having me over. Where can they check you out? <laughs> oh, uh, well, uh. Like I said, uh, on Mondays there's the poet and the patriot. I um, I am there about half the time, uh, and uh, the other half of the time I am at uh, Woodham's in uh, Santa Clara, which is another really great room. And then, uh, yeah, I like doing the Blue Lagoon. I, I recommend the Blue Lagoon all the time. That's always a good show. That's uh, that's in Santa Cruz. So uh, yeah, that, was, that that room is fantastic. Swing by if you have a chance. And if you don't mind me saying, I, I recommend people to friend you on, on Facebook. I'm not sure if you'd like strangers to be your friends, but you got some pretty funny commentary on that thing. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Um, I, As a general rule, I don't friend people I, I don't know, but um, follow me on Twitter if uh, there you go. <laughs> if you're interested. It's uh, BJ the Comedian. Um, that's, where, that's where I could be found. All right, BJ, thank you for coming. All right, man. Thanks a lot.